What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. All right, uh, this begins the uh, Western Conference Finals week. The Denver Nuggets prevailed over the Phoenix Suns in six games um, by blowing out the Suns in, uh, obviously, in Game 6 in Phoenix, keeping up with the uh, tradition of the Phoenix Suns getting blown out in their uh, uh, elimination game. And um, this culminates in what probably was inevitably going to happen for the Denver Nuggets, regardless of uh, of the way things shaked out. It just was, this was inevitable. This was fate. This was what did top, call it, whatever it is. Um, but the Denver Nuggets will be facing the Los Angeles Lakers, in the Western Conference Finals, um, as as the Lakers beat the uh, Golden State Warriors in six games, and by themselves blowing out the uh, the, the Warriors in Game Six, and um, there's a lot of ways we can talk about this. And, and, and all I, all I'm going to say is that if you want in depth analysis, go to Locked On Nuggets, go to Pick X and Roll. Uh, go to these other Nuggets-based podcasts that are really going to break this down more in-depth than I ever will. I am more concerned with the overall picture. Um, and the my podcast that I will post here on tomorrow, either tomorrow or Tuesday, I will talk a little more about what I think are some breakdowns, but I'm, I, that's not my forte. That's not why you come to uh, CSG. I do want to give a historical context to the Denver Nuggets and uh, their tortured history with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I think I could probably be safe in saying that the Denver Nuggets are the single most tortured fan base by the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the Nuggets have faced them seven times. This is the eighth time they will be facing them in the uh, playoffs, the fourth time in the Western Conference Finals. And uh, this is just, it's it is pretty striking how often the Nuggets have encountered the Lakers. Um, some series are more memorable than the others. Um, in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about the, the, the specific series that really started the whole thing. Um, featuring two very unremarkable teams playing in the playoffs in the first round. But uh, yeah, the, you could, you could say that there has been a complex with the Denver Nuggets and the, and the Los Angeles Lakers. And it really begins with um, a, a, like, like I said, this series in the late seventies that really began this sort of thing. And it really was one moment. It wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, a, a series to remember, but there was a one moment that kind of sig signified everything that was to come for the Nuggets and Lakers. Um, but if we're, we're talking about right now, um, this Nuggets team really, it, it kind of, and if you felt this through the playoffs, particularly after the Lakers um, vanquished the Minnesota Timberwolves in the play-in game, this always felt like this is going to happen. Usually, when the Lakers, uh, I mean the Nuggets are good, they end up playing the Lakers. It's just, it's just the way things have lined up. It's the way it's been. Um, the way Nuggets fans perceive the Los Angeles Lakers is largely shaped by the these encounters, and it's also shaped by the mass influx of people into Denver during the '90s. Um, a lot of people came from basically three primary places. Upper Midwest, Texas, and California. 
And this really began in the mid nineties when the right as the nuggets were going into their longest streak of horrible basketball from 1995 to, uh, 2003, um, that eight year stretch of basketball was awful. And so all these transplants that moved into the city had zero reason to claim the Denver nuggets as their own. So people moved in from LA. They, they, they still had the Lakers. People moved in from the East coast, or the upper Midwest, they had the Bulls, they had the, they had the, you know, these teams that they had no reason to uh, disconnect themselves from, right? Um, Texas teams, it's less so. Um, they were less concerned about basketball down there. It's more of a football thing. And if you see Cowboys fans and all that stuff come into Denver, you, you understand that. Um, but it is it is just the way things shaped out. Denver exploded in population in the mid nineties, and it really continued unabated till about twenty twenty. Um, the pandemic really affected population. A lot of the people who have live here now have lived here for twenty five years. Um, and uh, one thing I will say I did notice, uh, particularly in the series against the Suns, was the. Uh, large. Now the Suns don't have a tremendously large fan base, but the 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 populations are close enough to where that you know people could come into the Ball Arena and and, and uh, you know from Phoenix to uh, kind of influence these things. But you know, um, you know Phoenix isn't exactly what you would call an enormous fan base outside of Arizona. So uh, that didn't actually happen. Um, I've been very pleased with the Ball Arena crowds. The ball, the crowds at Ball Arena have been uh, fantastic this year. Obviously, it's going to be a little different with the the Lakers because of their of all the people who moved in from California and the front runners who who will come in and want to wear Lakers jerseys. What I will say is Denver really has stepped up this year uh, in a way they haven't since the 80s, largely, when you would see uh, almost only Nuggets fans at uh, McNichols Arena. So in that way, I'm 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 heartened in, as far as this goes. But to be honest with you, um, let's be quite honest here. The Denver Nuggets are the number one seed in the West for a reason. They are the better team. And um, history shouldn't play a factor in that. I think I think we all have a tendency to let the past dictate the future. And in this case, that's really not the case. The the Denver the Denver Nuggets are the better team um, with the two time MVP. This isn't this isn't a notion that the Nuggets should be the underdog. They, and then they aren't going into this series. Rightfully so. The Denver Nuggets are the better team. Uh, I'm sorry if that upsets Lakers fans who are counting on their resurgence after the uh, trade um, that got that remade their team, the trades, I should say, that remade their team at the trade deadline. But in the in 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 what we can call the largest sense, the Nuggets are the better team. Um, and the Lakers dispatched a very flawed and aging, um, Warriors team and they beat a imploding, um, Memphis team. Um, and the, you know, in reverse order there, um, and the Nuggets beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, which were a flawed and 
sort of imploding team, and the they beat the um, Phoenix Suns, which were a flawed and imploding team. That's basically the nature of the Western Conference this year. As someone, as uh, my friend Ryan Blackburn said, it's the Midwest this year. It's it, but the entire league's that way. The entire league is flawed, and you see what's happening in the Celtics uh, Sixers series. You'll you'll say this is one hundred percent true in the East too. Plus, with the Heat making it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, you can say that there's a a lot of shit that's going on right now that's not really typical of your normal NBA season. But this 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 Nuggets like the way they should approach this is just like they would the series against the Phoenix Suns, who had Kevin Booker and uh, Kevin Booker, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and uh, it's you can't deviate from that approach. This is this is a team a team the Nuggets should beat. Um, because they are the number one seed in the West and the better team. So, I mean, at least as far as analysis goes, that's basically it for me. Uh, if any Lakers fans find this podcast and get upset at this notion, I don't know what to tell you. Um, uh, you yourselves should agree with this. Um, but I, to, to, to put a not too fine a point on this, um, the Nuggets come into this thing with a ton of rest, the Lakers are going to be rested too. There is going to be no handicaps on either team coming into this game, into this series. This series is going to be about as uh, full, fully healthy as you can possibly get for for two teams who are entering into the Western Conference Finals. Uh, the Nuggets didn't exhaust themselves down the stretch of basketball. Obviously, they took a ton of criticism for coming into a uh, uh, the last part of the season and basically checking out, um, preserving their health over absolutely anything. But I do believe that preserving that health benefited them. I mean, uh, we can criticize the, the notion that that is what it took, but the Nuggets coming into the playoffs and going through the playoffs in a relative, relatively healthy manner is, uh, is uh, huge. Um, not having injuries affect your your way is huge. If you have to play gung you know gung ho down the stretch, what's going to happen is you will exhaust your starters, and um, it's going to reflect itself in the playoffs as various minor injuries start start piling up the nuggets are fully healthy then really there's no excuses and that applies to the players on the roster and it applies to the coaching staff and it applies to the front office it applies to everyone there's really no excuses at this point you're the number one seed in the rest you're expected to win and i think the nuggets fans should embrace the number one seed aspect of this this is the first time in their nba history that the nuggets have been a number one seed so just get out there and do your thing, you know? Um, and like I said, go to Lockdown Nuggets, go to Pickaxe and Roll for more in-depth breakdowns of the, what actually will happen. Um, there has been the usual nonsense happening with uh, Twitter uh, in the lead up to this, and it's only going to get more nonsensical. I, I, if you're a Nuggets fan or even a fucking Lakers fan, just, just don't, don't, don't pay attention to it. Spend your time off of Twitter. Basically, is what I will say. I will admit that I have I succumbed to it the last couple of days, and I, I, as of this recording, and I was I was looking at myself, thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I why am I engaging with this? It's not going to benefit anyone at all to get yourself into a uh, a a cockfighting fight with people in Los Angeles, you know. Um, 
or wherever they may be. Lakers fans are everywhere. So it really is kind of pointless. This is a series that is going to be decided on the court, and the Denver Nuggets uh, owe it to themselves to invest in uh, ignoring the noise, which is going to be legion, uh, ignoring the Dave McMenamin types who went on to the Hoop Collective and just in the most condescending manner possible dismissed the Denver Nuggets uh, in a way that I, I, I was shocked at how condescending he was. And that kind of tells you the way they view the Denver Nuggets. Should that matter to us? No. Because why, if you're looking for validity from them, you're going to be fighting a losing battle. That's not, that's not a battle you're going to win particularly against a team like the Lakers who just with that fan base, you're just not going to win that battle. Um, And you're not going to win that with ESPN. It's just that they're not invested in the Denver Nuggets. Most of them didn't were bullied into changing their MVP votes. So you know what, if you're, if you're counting on people like that to validate Denver Nuggets, uh, you are going wrong yourself. Don't do that. Ignore them. Concentrate on CSG, pick X and roll. Lockdown Nuggets, we got you straightened up, okay? So, all right, uh, after the break, I'm going to be talking to you about the series that really started the, 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 the downhill slide for the Nuggets' fortunes in, the, uh, in, the, in their history with the two Los Angeles Lakers. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at BFW Denver. Dot com, excuse me, bfwcolorado.com. Um, they got reds, they got whites, they got Rieslings. Um, speaking of California, they've got a location in Sonoma County where they make most of their own Blanchard family uh, wines. Wines, um, so they're grapes from Sonoma County. Pinot is the uh, is the probably the the, the premium uh, varietal that's up in California. Check out the Pinot; it's really good. Um, but they got partnerships with Western Slope wineries, so Rieslings are the the grape of the Western Slope. Check out some Rieslings, um, and really kind of in talk, just if you want to have a good time and you want to spend some time downtown, either pre gaming it, post gaming it, or just hitting it up after you have a nice uh, lunch or dinner, check out Blanchard Family Wines. It's a really nice place to go, particularly in the summer. Um, the Dairy Block is wonderful. And uh, it's really pretty. And I think you will really, really enjoy your time down there if you choose to go. Uh, at BFWDeverColorado.com, they will they have all you, all the bottles you need to, uh, to check out what they've got. Uh, and you can uh, book their uh, little events that they have that, um, that uh, they sprinkle in throughout the year that are really fun, too. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at BFW Colorado. Dot com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. 1979 was the year. Um, the Nuggets were at an interesting crossroads in 1979. Um, the previous year, they had uh, run up against two factors. As I discussed before, Brian Taylor who was their backup point guard in uh, um, 1970, 77, 78, randomly quit. In fact, he just quit like right during the middle of the season. I think it was game 42. And he, uh, the Nuggets record after that reflected how much they missed them, missed him. 
And um, then the Nuggets play the Seattle Supersonics in uh, the uh, 78 Western Conference Finals and underperformed in, uh, I think it was game two, and ended up losing the series 4-2. Um, so the next year, during the offseason, Carl Shear thought they needed to do something, and it be, was probably the most catastrophic trade in Nuggets history, where he sent uh, Bobby Jones to the Philadelphia 76ers for um, George McGinnis, who by that point in time was not a fully functional player. Uh, his best years were in the ABA, and um, he... It was reflected in his injuries, his commitment to playing, all of that. And during the 1979, uh, 78-79 year, he was in and out of the lineup um, on days where he felt like playing. It was okay. On days he didn't, uh, it would cause some issues. And that Nuggets team, by the time they reached shortly, partly, like you're talking about 20 games before the end of the year, um, we're a little over 500 and, uh, Larry Brown just decided to quit and he had been doing his usual Larry Brown thing and complaining that he couldn't trade Dan Issel. He was, uh, not happy with what Carl Shearer was doing. And because of that, he began writing the off season in 1978, started making noises that he wanted to quit. And by the time you get to about almost 60 games into the season, he quits. There was a big Sports Illustrated article about that. Because the Nuggets were the team that came from the ABA that was good. Now, interestingly enough, the Nuggets in the last 29 games or so uh, were able to pick up their record. Buoyed a little bit by Donnie Walsh taking over, who was the assistant coach was a lifelong uh, friend of Larry Brown, who later became better known as the GM of the Indiana Pacers and the New York Knicks. And he basically didn't really steer the ship, but the team got its shit together. Now, during the season, David Thompson's cocaine habit had really picked up steam, which really began after he, he signed his big historically big uh, contract in uh, 1978, which uh, was one of the reasons the Nuggets were in financial trouble by the time 1982 rolls around. And um, the Nuggets were just in, in starting to begin their decline. And it really began with the George McGinnis trade and then manifested itself further with David Thompson's cocaine problem, which which was getting worse uh, as the season rolled around, but it wasn't to the point where it had to be hugely noticeable. He had actually had a had a good uh, series against the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Nuggets won the season series against the Lakers, and uh, at the time, the first round was three games. The uh, Lakers won, or the Nuggets won the first game in, in Denver. They went to, to L.A. for the second one and lost. And the third game was in Denver, and uh, it was a back-and-forth affair. At one point, the Lakers had a, I think they had about a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and the Nuggets whittled it away, whittled it away, whittled it away, and then finally took the lead with about 24 seconds left, I think. 
And uh, in typical Nuggets Lakers fashion, Kareem lined up for a sky hook and sunk it with 12 seconds left, ending the Nuggets 78-79 season. The only time the Nuggets played the, the Los Angeles Lakers where they were the favorites. And this was uh, started the the downturn post uh, Larry Brown. Now it wasn't the cause of it. The, the cause of it was was the McGinnis trade, the Bobby Jones trade, and the uh, Larry Brown quitting. And both of those things were were big blows to this Denver Nuggets team. And uh, the roster wasn't great. McGinnis wasn't a great fit. And by midway through the next year, the 79-80 season, uh, McGinnis was traded for Alex English. And for a brief time, the Nuggets had Alex English, David Thompson, and uh, Dan Essel all on the same roster. And then by the time you get to the 81-82 season, they have... Dan Issel, David Thompson, Alex English, and Kiki Vandeweghe. And if only Thompson was a functional player by that point, uh, the Nuggets would have had one of the best rosters in the Western Conference. Now, the resulting trade for English is the what McGinnis is largely known for as he was traded to uh, Indiana, for back to Indiana for Alex English. Now... Coming back to the series against the Lakers, it was a nondescript series against two you could describe as mediocre teams. This wasn't notable. That series wasn't notable for any reason. In fact, it's probably only notable for starting the Nuggets uh, seven series misery train. Um, the Nuggets have faced the Lakers more than any team in the uh, their history in the NBA, more than any team in the, uh, uh, the the playoffs, and that was that was ground zero. And Kareem Skyhook, which if he missed that, Nuggets win that series. They advanced uh, into the next round. Maybe they, on the strength of that, are able to make some adjustments in the next year, depending on what they... Seattle was a better team in 1979 than they were in 1978 when the Nuggets lost to them. And uh, maybe that manifests itself in a different way. Um, the Nuggets did well to recover by the end of 1979 and, and, and get to the point where they were the fourth seed in the, in the, uh, in the conference. But it, it just didn't work. It, it wasn't good enough. And uh, it really began this crisis point, which extended into 1985 to 1987 to 2008 to 2009 to 2012 to 2020, and then now 2023. Um, it was pretty innocuous. Now, that Lakers team was really mediocre. I think their second-best player after Kareem in 1978-79 was Norm Nixon, I think. And uh, that the Lakers team was not great. Uh, it was very, very, very mediocre. The Lakers had gone through um, some issues post Jerry West and uh, and uh, Wilt, and you know Kareem. They benefited from Kareem wanting to be on one of the coasts. So when Milwaukee traded him in 1975 to the uh, to the to to the Lakers, the Lakers kind of struggled in building a contending team around Kareem. 
Uh, and it really wasn't until Magic Johnson was drafted in 1979 that they were able to put the pieces together because the next year they won the title. So it, it was it was one of those it was one of those situations where the the nexus point between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers in 1979 was one eventually was on the rise in Lakers and the other was on the way down in the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets win that series. Maybe history looks a little different. I don't know. The, 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 the Lakers drafted uh, Magic Johnson, which is what carried Magic Johnson carried them through the eighties. So it wasn't about necessarily that one moment causing anything not didn't really cause any domino dominoes to fall but it was a moment that began the nuggets miserable time with the lakers and that really hasn't changed um but you have every reason to believe if you're a denver nuggets fan you have every reason to believe that this year is different because this is the by far by far, in my opinion, the best Nuggets team to have ever faced a Lakers team. And take heart in that because this Nuggets team has been together. They know each other and they have a, a just one of those feels about them that you kind of need for a title contending team. Rather than concentrating on the specter that is the Los Angeles Lakers, concentrate on the fact that this is indeed a good, damn good Nuggets team with a guy who probably should have won MVP this year. So ain't no inferiority complex here, folks. For the first time since 1979, the Nuggets fanged themselves on equal, if not better, footing than the Los Angeles Lakers. So go into this series thinking that you got this. And I think that part is going to be essential to the Nuggets getting through. And, and, fr and quite frankly, players feel the anxiety of fans. Go in there, Nuggets fans, thinking you should win. Because, you know, and honestly, they should. They're the favorite. Why not? All right, folks. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Goodbye.